Imagine if you woke up one day and all the feelings that you normally have are just gone. Like there was some kind of glitch in the interface between you and the rest of the world. Being around people just feels hollow and empty. You can still see them, you can hear them, you can touch them, you can hug them, but the emotions that normally go with those experiences or with those interactions, they aren't there anymore. There's no, there's no enjoyment. There's no connection. You can't even feel love. You might logically know, I do love this person. This person does love me. But the feeling that normally goes along with that, it's not there anymore. Everything becomes a performance, an act. You are playing the role of the person you used to be. Because everyone around you still expects you to be happy or excited or joyful, but you're not. But you don't want them to know that because you don't understand what's happening. You don't know what's wrong with you. So you play the role of you. And you act the way you know you think you should or that other people expect you to so that no one knows anything is wrong. Your food has no flavor anymore, but you still have to eat. But there's no joy in it. There's nothing about it that feels good. It just feels like a chore. It feels like you're taking out the garbage. It doesn't feel like there's any reason to advance in your career, in your education. It's just more work. You won't feel proud of yourself if you achieve this work. You won't feel accomplished. You won't enjoy the raise that you might get or the money or the things you could buy with that money. You can have them, but they won't do anything. They won't create the feelings that other people have when they get those things. Same with keeping up with your living space. It just feels pointless. Uh, a messy, disorganized living space and a clean, organized space, they feel the same to you. So if they feel the same, why are you gonna bother putting in the work? When there's no reward for you, when nothing changes, when nothing gets better, as a result of this work. People don't work for free. People don't do things for nothing. Not for long, anyway. Petting your cat, walking your dog, feeding your fish, just chores. You don't feel any connection between yourself and other living beings. And that's not just humans. That's, that's animals too, that's your pets. You remember that you used to feel these things and you know, logically, that you care about them, but the feelings, they just aren't there anymore. You don't get anything from it the way you used to. Even various forms of physical intimacy don't really do anything for you. A cuddle, a hug, sex. It's, you can physically feel them happening, but when we do those things, it's not just a physical feeling. There's more that's supposed to be there. There's emotional connection that's supposed to happen when we do these things. And if you're in one of these moments that I'm talking about, one of these periods of time, those emotional components, gone, missing, absent, can't find them, don't know where they went. The music that you used to like, that feels different now too. You used to enjoy it. Now, you'll find little things about it that, that bother you. Wording choices or phrasing, enunciations, accents, changes in notes, it used to sound good, you used to like it. Now it sounds harsh, abrasive, annoying, out of place. You feel like you can just critique it. You can't just listen to it anymore because you hear everything that's wrong with it and it bothers you and you can't let it go. 
So basically at this point, you just feel indifferent to everything in your life because it's all flat, it's all empty. No matter who you are, what you have, who you have, what you do, everything around you in this phase feels like you're living inside of a black hole. And this black hole follows you everywhere you go. It's, it surrounds you. So you can't escape it. You can't just go somewhere else and get away from it. It's always there. I know that what I just described probably makes me sound a little bit like a preacher telling you about the eternal damnation that awaits you if you don't turn away from your life of sin. And maybe it is a description of that too. I wouldn't know, but I do know that this is something that happens to us here on earth. Uh, and we don't have to do anything bad or wrong to experience it. I experience it sometimes. Um, and it has a name. We call it anhedonia. So anhedonia is a Greek word. An meaning not or without, and hedon meaning like joy or pleasure. To be experiencing anhedonia means to be living without pleasure. So it's when that emotional component of your brain that makes you feel good about the things you've done or good about the things you're going to do when that system isn't working properly in your brain. That's called anhedonia. This is different than having your interests just change over time. Some of the things I described in the introduction are things that just happen to us as people. Your musical taste probably will change a few times at various points in your life. You might lose interest in some of your social group at times. That isn't necessarily a mental health symptom or a problem. We're dynamic beings. We change, we grow, we evolve. The things we like and the things we enjoy, they're not static. They don't necessarily stay the same throughout your life. But this is different. This is when you lose everything or almost everything all at once. Like, it can happen overnight. So this is different than just that normal evolution of who we are and what we like. So why does this happen? Why do we experience anhedonia? If you continue to follow me or listen to my podcasts, you're going to hear me say this a lot. And by the way, I would love it if you did that. Just saying. But you're going to get tired of hearing this because this is going to be my answer to a lot of the questions that I bring up, which is we don't completely know why this happens yet. And I know how frustrating that is to hear. When I got into the field of psychology, especially in my doctoral program in grad school, I expected to unravel the mysteries of the human brain. I thought I was going to learn this is why this happens, this is why this happens, etc. And, and what we have are theories. Correlations. We, we aren't clueless, but we have not put all this together yet. And I'm really sorry about that because I know that that's frustrating. I know you want answers and I promise you, I do too. So we don't know exactly why people experience anhedonia, but we think we've got a lot of it figured out. Diagnostically, so anhedonia is not a diagnosis. It's not a condition in and of itself. It's a symptom that can be correlated with a few different diagnoses. Most people who experience anhedonia experience it during depressive episodes. And they may be having those depressive episodes because they have a depressive disorder, like major depressive disorder. They may be experiencing depressive episodes because they have bipolar disorder, because people with bipolar disorder also experience depressive episodes. But something like 70 to 80% of anhedonia is a result of a depressive episode. So that is by far 
the most common reason that people experience anhedonia. We also know that a lot of people with psychotic disorders, mainly schizophrenia, experience anhedonia. It's one of those what are called negative symptoms of schizophrenia, meaning something that gets kind of removed or taken away from your life. That's a far less common diagnosis than depression. So if you're listening to this, trying to figure out what's going on with you, try not to catastrophize this and, and try not to instantly assume you have schizophrenia. Not that one diagnosis is inherently you know, better or worse or easier or harder than any other. Uh, they all have their pros and cons, believe me, but um, schizophrenia is not a terribly common diagnosis. But many people, probably even most people, who do meet criteria for schizophrenia do also experience anhedonia. A third pretty common reason, mental health-wise, that people experience anhedonia is trauma. So PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, whatever you want to call it. When we have been traumatized by one or more experiences in life, we, we, we see the world differently. And our ability to anticipate and feel joy or to go out and do things that make us feel good, it tends to shrink. Our world gets smaller after trauma. Uh, we don't do as much as we used to, and the things we do do, I hate to say it that way, but that's just how you say it, the things we do do, they don't feel the way they used to. They feel different. They feel more hollow, more empty, more flat, because um, we're scared all the time, because we think something bad might happen. So that can be another form of anhedonia that we experience. So physiologically, we don't know exactly why this happens. I can't tell you the, the exact neurological mechanisms of anhedonia, but we do know some of it. So one thing that we know about how the brain and how it works is that people don't objectively experience anything in life. So this is going to get a little weird, just so you know. But everything that you experience is technically an internal experience. Like, yeah, there is a world outside of you, and you take in information from that world. But the actual feelings that you have inside, physical and emotional, are all within you. They don't exist outside of you. And this is even true with physical pain. When you have an experience that is physically painful, it isn't actually the experience itself that hurts. I know this is weird, but bear with me. What happens when you experience something physically painful is that your nervous system takes a message from, from that pain, and it sends that message to your brain to be processed. And when your brain processes that pain signal, that's when it hurts. So even though the pain is caused by something external, something outside of your body, the feeling of pain only happens within. And that's also true with our emotions. Everything that happens in our lives, in the world, that makes us feel some certain way, the actual event happens inside of us that generates the emotion. And there's a series of pathways in your brain that that impulse or that stimuli has to go through to make you feel the feeling associated with the experience. It's a little bit like a mass transit system, like a bus system in a really, really big city. So if you live in like New York City or Chicago, for example, and you work on the other side of town, you live on the east side, you work on the west side, and you take a bus to work, you might have to take three, four, five different buses to get from point A to point B, right? There isn't necessarily one route that takes you all the way there. That's kind of how your brain is too. There are several substations that any experience or any external stimuli has to go through before it reaches kind of your central processing area, so to speak. And so if anything disrupts that pathway, your ability to feel is disrupted. So again, think of the buses, right? If you have to take five buses 
to get home after work. And one of the buses, bus number three, let's say, breaks down and they don't immediately have a replacement ready for it. You don't get home, right? I mean, realistically, I know they probably have backup buses and whatnot. It's just a metaphor. But if that bus ceases to exist or, or, or does not work or cannot take you from your second to your third destination, you're not getting home. The route is blocked. The path is not available. That can happen in our brains too. We don't know exactly why. Sometimes when we're having like a depressive episode, for example, the pathways in our brains get blocked. Either our neurotransmitters, which are the chemicals that carry, they're basically the buses, the chemicals that carry these impulses from one neuron or brain cell to the next. Sometimes those neurotransmitters get disrupted and they don't work right. Sometimes physiologically, certain parts of our brain get disrupted. Sometimes our prefrontal cortex isn't on its A-game, for example. So we don't know the exact details. And it seems like maybe it's a little bit different from one person to the next. It may not be any one thing. But anhedonia relates to some kind of acute brain dysfunction. And when that pathway is disrupted, our entire functioning changes. Because in our minds, we have this built-in equation, basically. When we're trying to decide whether anything is worth doing or not, we consider the anticipated reward and the anticipated effort. And if something's going to be more rewarding than the effort we have to put in to achieve it, we're probably going to do that thing. If it feels like it's going to be more work, we're going to have to put more in than what we get out, then it's very hard for us to make ourselves do that thing. And that's our entire motivation system that underpins all of our behaviors. So if those variables change, your behaviors change. And when we're experiencing anhedonia, our perception of effort goes way up and our perception of reward goes way down. So the whole system gets disrupted. It would be a little like, imagine if you got fired one day and you're trying to make yourself feel better, so you go to the mall. But you know in the back of your mind, like, I don't have as much money as I used to. So I don't have as much coming in as I typically do. So you know you probably shouldn't really buy anything, right? But you go to the mall and try to distract yourself. And you realize, like, after you get there, that the prices of every single thing in the mall have gone up by 500%. So you have almost no money, and everything suddenly got way more expensive. Think of how hard it would be to justify buying anything in that scenario. That's basically what anhedonia is, only the items, the purchases, are your behaviors. That's interacting with people, that's eating, that's exercising, that's going to work. The cost has gone way up, and your resources, your income, has gone way down. Nothing feels worth it anymore. There are three subcategories of anhedonia as far as where it affects your life. Sometimes people tend to experience what's called social anhedonia, and that's mostly the relationship stuff. So that's when your ability to enjoy being with people either primarily or completely just falls apart, and you just don't enjoy socializing anymore. That's different than social anxiety disorder. It can look a little similar. People who have social anxiety disorder still enjoy being around people and still desire to be around people, they just overanalyze or overscrutinize their own behaviors so it becomes very stressful to be around other people. It feels like a performance, basically. With anhedonia, it's, it's not that it's stressful, it's just that you don't get anything from it the way you normally would. So social anhedonia is when that mostly shows up in interpersonal or relational situations.
And then some people experience what's called physical anhedonia, which is more decreased interest in like hobbies or interests, uh, your job or your career, taking care of your home, eating food, etc. It's more about the kind of activities of daily living or, or joyful parts of life that don't necessarily have anything to do with other people. So some people experience one or the other. And there's also a third subtype, which is combined anhedonia, which means you get both, unfortunately. And as you can guess, that's really, really difficult to deal with. But some people do experience it on a more global, just everything. Everything changes, nothing feels the same kind of way. And then for each of those three subtypes, there's two kind of severity levels that you can experience. One is partial anhedonia, which means that either it's only some things in that category that no longer feel good, or things don't feel as good as they typically did, but the joy or the positive feeling that comes with it is still there to some degree. It's just a lot less than it used to be. If I'm experiencing partial social anhedonia, for example, maybe there's a small group of people that I still get joy from, but it's not all the people it normally would. Or maybe I get 20% of the joy that I normally would. It's not completely gone, but it is much, much lower than it typically would be. And then there's complete anhedonia, which means all the things, none of the feelings. Just, it's, it's global. It's a complete and total blackout of your life, and you feel like you're living inside of a void. And it's awful. So lastly, let's talk about what to do about it. So again, anhedonia itself is not a condition. So anhedonia cannot directly be treated by any particular type of intervention, because it's not its own condition. It is a symptom caused by an underlying condition. So the best way to treat anhedonia is to figure out what the condition is that's causing it and then treat that condition. That's typically not something that a person is able to or should be doing on their own. So the most important thing for you to do if you experience this is to talk to somebody. It's to see a professional and, and hopefully get a correct diagnosis and then get a treatment plan. All of the conditions that we talked about that are mental health that can cause anhedonia can be treated by therapy or medication or both. So your first line of contact, if this sounds like you, could be your primary care doctor, it could be some type of therapist, it could be a psychiatrist, anyone who has some level of training on assessment and treatment of mental health conditions. I do want to point out that there are also a few physical or medical conditions that can cause anhedonia. The three most common are Parkinson's, chronic pain disorders, and diabetes. So if you happen to know that you experience any of those, know that you may experience this anhedonia from time to time, even if you don't have an underlying mental health condition. So the worst thing you can do on, on a personal level when you're struggling with anhedonia is to stop trying. And I know that when that reward is absent, I know that nothing feels worth it. I know it feels like a huge waste of time and energy to try to do anything, but you should still try. Because what I have seen happen, it's happened to me too, is you feel this way for a while, this anhedonia, right? It's not permanent. The first time it happens to you, it will freak you out so bad and you will think, is this now me forever? It isn't. It comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. But you may not notice it coming and going if you stop doing the things that potentially feel good to you. Because if you stop and the anhedonia goes away, you still feel devoid 
of any positive emotion because you're no longer doing anything that might create that emotion. So sometimes that black hole feeling extends way longer than the actual period of anhedonia because it changes your behavior. And your behavior doesn't automatically go back to what it was before once your brain functioning changes. Because you don't, there's no announcement of that. You don't wake up one day realizing like, oh, my brain is back to normal. The only way you will realize that is if you're doing things that might make you feel something. So, above all else, please try your best not to stop doing things. Also, we mentioned partial anhedonia earlier. Sometimes you can still find a few things that give you some of the feelings, at least. It may not be a lot of things, and they may not feel exactly like they would otherwise, but sometimes you can still find a few things that give you a little bit of the feeling you're looking for. And often, once you figure out what that is, it's often consistent from one episode to the next. For example, for me, I know that no matter how I'm feeling, there's one food that always tastes good to me, no matter how bad things get. And that is hamburgers from a charcoal grill. I don't completely know why. I think it relates to some childhood memory. Those always taste good to me, no matter what kind of mental state I'm in. So yeah, if I'm feeling depressed, I eat a lot of burgers. Oh well, life will go on, right? I need to eat. If you can find your one or two or three things that still work, that'll help you get through this immensely. Another thing that I know helps a lot is staying physically active. And I know, I know, there's a lot to ask of somebody who's feeling that way, right? I know, I get it. But it can kind of kickstart your system, so to speak. Adrenaline and the hormones that come from a workout, they reach your brain and it changes how your brain is functioning. And when your brain is kind of slow or stuck or parts of it aren't working right, Physical activity so often is like the jumpstart you need to get out of that. So that's something that no matter how I'm feeling, I never let that go. Some of my workouts look more like exorcisms sometimes, depending on my emotional state. But I try to always do them. And it has helped tremendously. It's so important. But I guess at the end of the day, the main thing I want to impress upon you is that if you get this feeling, take it seriously. It's a real thing. You know, it's not just you being weird or being dramatic. It's a medical symptom. It has a name. That means other people experience it. That means people have studied it. That means we know some things about it. We don't know everything about it, but we know some things about it. And ultimately what that means is we can probably help you with it. So don't be a hero. Don't try to face this on your own. Talk to somebody. Ask for help. Let us do our job. Okay? I'll talk to you later.